Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. I'm Leanne Dolan of Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining me today. Today is one of our occasional series of interviews with writers whose message and whose work we admire. We're talking to Beth Thomas-Cohen today, and she is your girl. If you find that you're a mother just exhausted from wearing too many hats and having too many things on your plate, or if you feel like you're a woman and somehow you got someplace and how did I get here? This isn't the authentic life I want to be living. Beth's new book is for you. She's a publicist. She's opinionated. She's a mom. She's a friend. She's a sister. And she has plenty to say in her new book, Drop the Act. It's exhausting. It was really fun to talk to Beth and get my own personal pep talk about living an authentic life. This is our Satellite Sisters conversation with Beth Thomas-Cohen about her book, Drop the Act. It's exhausting. If one of your resolutions for 2016 was to get your act together, I have fantastic news. According to our next guest, you can just drop the act altogether. Beth Thomas-Cohen is a writer. She has been in the fashion industry for 16 years as a publicist and an editor. And uh, now she has a new book out called Drop the Act. It's exhausting. And she brings all her experience, I think, as a girlfriend, as a wife, as a mom to two, as as someone who is not shy about giving advice to this book. Hi, Beth. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. Hi, Leanne. Thanks for having me. You know, why is it so exhausting to have an act? I know I find it exhausting, but what were you observing in your life and in your work with other women? I mean, I always just felt like I was waiting for the reciprocal person to just be themselves like me. And it was just kind of exhausting every time I'd have to peel through layers of individuals to finally get the real person. Of course, with the exception of my friends and family. Um, Yeah, it was just a little bit annoying and exhausting. (laughs) You know what? Why are you so real? I mean, you describe and it's it's admirable. In this book, Beth, you literally give advice on every subject known to mankind, from pregnancy to parenting to married sex to career moves to speaking out to shutting up. I mean, you Well, because married sex is different than not married sex. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I liked your advice. Like, forget trying to have sex every day. Just try to laugh every day. I thought that was a really key piece of advice. It's a lot more feasible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot more feasible. Whew, because that's exhausting. That is exhausting. Yes. Uh, But you describe yourself as as dipping in a, a lot of different worlds from your background. Black, white, Jewish, atheist, rich, poor, married, divorced, educated, uneducated, working mom, stay at home mom, city, suburb. You have crossed all of those lines. But have you always been sort of true to yourself? an authentic kind of person? I mean, yeah, I think one of the things that was so important for everybody to kind of take from this was was two things. One is, I think the reason I was able to write the book was because of all the reasons you just listed. I wouldn't have felt comfortable, you know, issuing all these disclaimers if I hadn't experienced it all. Mm -hmm. So because I'm one of all those things, I've kind of like been through it all in some variation. Um, And yes, I've always been this person, I think, 
when you're this person trapped in a 10 year old body, sometimes it's difficult for people <laughs> to digest you. And which I get now at the time, I never even realized it was, you know, I was like that. And so I think there was, I know there was a point in time when, you know, as anybody does has that moment of trying to figure out who they are. And I think had I not had people around me trying to squash who I was, then I think I really would have gone through life this way. Yeah. Um, but given the fact that I was in this multicultural family, I went to prep school, I lived in an affluent area, I mean, I had all, divorced parents and one rich, one not so rich, you know, I think given all that, I, I hid my true self for a moment because I felt like, you know what, if I'm going to be this person, I'm going to add one more difference to me. It's like I kind of wanted to be a wallflower for a minute. Right. I mean, like, let's be honest, I was never a wallflower. <laughs> How about a wallflower compared to what I am like now? <laughs> so I think if I hadn't been asked to do that in some fashion, I wouldn't have. Um, so I would say, yes, I've always been this person. I just had a momentary lapse of weakness, I'd like to say. That's a, okay. We You are forgiven because you have definitely made up for it in spades now. It's clear from your really fun book, Drop the Act, it's exhausting that you have a lot to say to women across the spectrum on a lot of different topics. Beth, what do you think the difference is between sort of honesty and in your face, though? You you want women to live an honest life. And is that different than living living this life that's out in public? What, what are the differences that you see? I mean, I always say, first of all, I'm coming from a place of yes and not a place of no. So I'm not ever telling everybody to just all of a sudden have diarrhea of the mouth <laughs> and decide that, you know, today I would like to, you know, inhabit Tourette's or whatever it is. There is a cooth and a delivery to all of it. Um, I will say that sometimes my cooth and delivery needs to be in check, which I've learned as I've gotten in my older years. Um, I just turned 40. (laughs) 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 I like to say I'm an elder. No, I'm kidding. Um, So yes, I think that there is a a way in which that you do it. You want the communication to come from a a loving, giving place. You don't want to just fire off how you feel about something in inappropriate ways. That's certainly not what I'm talking about. And then the second part of it is, I'm not talking, you know, thou shall not lie. I'm talking about giving an honest account of how you feel, um, you know, and and in doing so that you will feel much better about yourself because you've delivered whatever you felt like you need to deliver. And then that person is getting that authentic self from of you to them. So the relationship to me always seems like it would have to just be deeper and more real. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, that, you write a lot about women wearing masks. I mean, yes. I, I know all people do, but I, I think in particular women do. And I think that's a really apt metaphor because we've all had to put on a mask every once in a while, but sometimes it never comes off. And I, I think that's what you're writing about is sort of encouraging women to kind of take off the masks. Yeah, and I think that because, again, this is coming from all of this these this kind of diverse background, not that somebody who doesn't have a diverse background couldn't understand that. I think I've just seen all facets of lives through, through being with all different types of women, um, whether or not they thought, I mean, I've gotten, oh, my God, you're so tan. And I'm thinking, you know I'm ethnic, right? <laughs> you know, like, or I've been, and, and then it's like, oh, my God, you are? Like, oh, my God. And then I've been through another another group of women who don't see color or religion. I mean, I've kind of been through it all. So I, the, the masks I see them wear is when there's an authentic person, um, you know, like me having a conversation with them. Hopefully they're more themselves. But then all of a sudden you see them on a different day and they're with a, a group of women where it's like attack of the killer clones and they just blend into each other. And I think to myself, 
but that's not, is that really what, I mean, if that's what you are really like, because we just spent the last 12 hours drinking 17 bottles of wine and <laughs> taking shots of tequila and talking about how we hated our husbands. And now you're all country club and, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's interesting. Like, why can't you be that person? And also the tequila drinker. <laughs> why do you think, why do you think we can't? Why do you think some women can't? Because we're safety in numbers. Everybody's worried about what the other person's going to think. And then they can't go to this school and they can't go to this club. And, you know, I don't know. It's just so ridiculous, but it's, you know, it's, it's safety in numbers. It's feeling like if you're an oddity that, that, that you won't be ex quote accepted. I mean, I don't know what, there is no norm anymore more thank god right but right. i think that that's really what it is it's kind of like coming out of your comfort zone and sometimes it's uncomfortable to go out of your comfort zone i live outside my comfort zone but at the same time i enjoy my life a lot i like you know different types of people i have friends at work don't work i have um guy friends, girlfriends, you know, uh, Caucasian friends, African-American friends, Jewish friends, not Jewish. I mean, I just have a little bit of, of everything. And I love, I love that. I just don't need to find everybody that's exactly like me. You know, you, you write, you write in the book that you're at the point in your life where you actually don't care who can handle you. I really don't. <laughs> it's terrible sometimes. It's <laughs> I but I do think that's a gift that comes with age and, uh, you know, that, you know, there is just a ton of insecurity as you move through your teen years and then your 20 years in your career, as you start your career, your thirties, when you're a new parent and you're just trying to figure out what's up. And then all of a sudden forties and fifties, you have a chance. You're just 40 now, but I'm 50 and you can look around and see like, okay, you know what? Good news. Not everybody's life is perfect. In fact, Pretty much nobody's life is perfect. Right. And you've come to that now. You've reached that at, at 40. And I think that, I think part of it is why are we waiting until we're 40? Yeah. You know, I think that's the part that I don't really understand because people say, oh, well, everyone goes through that. Oh, agreed. Everybody has that moment, especially, you know, girls, impressionable ages of trying to fit in and all that stuff. That's normal. I mean, that's part of life. But there's a time when, you know, you come home and, you know, there's that safety of your home and your parents and your friends and your community where you want them to be able to say to you, which I do to my girls all the time, you are perfect the way you are. So as long as you're, I'm passing that message along to them and you can be silly and funny and you don't have to all dress alike. And as long as I can keep pumping her with that information, it's still going to happen at school as long as she is. If that continues, it will resonate. And I think that we wait to feel that comfort until we're 40, where I didn't wait to feel that comfort until I was 40. I had moments where I didn't feel that, but I always was pretty much this person. Um, and I think it, 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 it allows me to really enjoy every inkling of my life and not feel like I have to conform to the moms on the PTA or I have to drive the same car as everybody or I, my girls have to do the same dance class. I mean, it's just not important. <laughs> it's just not important. I mean, I have kids come in my car and they go, where are the TVs? <laughs> I'm like, what? They're like, well, all the kids have TVs in their car. I'm like, oh my, really? <laughs> like, 
I don't. Well, <laughs> you you write about the power of no, which is something I have learned, you know, the hard way as a working mom for the last 20 years, being able to say no, being able to say no to a lot of things, though, okay. being able to say no to the TVs in the car, too many extracurricular activities, being able to say no to volunteer stuff you don't want to do, even being able to say no to relationships that no longer serve you. Oh. When, when your friends come to you, are you honest with them, like, you got to say no to this, or do you ever, like, pull them aside and say, will you just stop? Say no. Yeah. I say it all the time. I am a no. My, my kids call me mean. When mommy says no, she's mean mommy. <laughs> mean mom. And I'm like, I'm not mean mommy. And, you know, yes, I say yes. I say no. It's like a double negative. I absolutely believe in saying no because I've said yes a lot and then thought to myself, how am I going to get this all done? Because I talk about in the book how you can't have everything. Yeah. And you can't have everything. I don't care what anyone says. Something's got to give. Yes, I'm always honest with my friends. I feel like I'm one of those people where I'm like the downloader where they're like, oh, my God, what do I do? Um, you know, yeah, say no. Say no. Like, it's totally okay to say no. I think my in-laws sometimes hate when I say no. Yeah. Um, but I still say no. I'll let you work that out with your family yeah. members. <laughs> Our guest is Beth Thomas-Cohen. Her book is called Drop the Act. It's exhausting. It's not exhausting to read this book, though, because it moves so quickly through anything you might want to ask if you're of a certain age, from career to parenting. I just like, even the chapter titles made me laugh out loud. Like, if you think you're having, it was something about the pregnancy. Oh, yeah, the gateway to realistic parent is having a realistic pregnancy. (laughs) Right. What has happened to pregnancy, Beth? Why why does pregnancy have to be perfect now? It used to be okay to have an awful pregnancy, and now you have to glide through it and gain 12 pounds and and be back on set five days after you give birth. What is up with that? I don't know. I mean, I wish I lived in the time where you could be pregnant and have a martini. That was okay, you know? Like, I think that we, we, for some reason, we set up this kind of situation where we have to pretend like we have it all put together. And I have, I have a ton of girlfriends and I haven't ever had met one woman who's claimed to say that they have a perfect pregnancy. Yeah. And it's interesting. We feel like in order for us to maintain our business stature, we have to have a perfect pregnancy in order to maintain our you know female relationships and be able to bring the kids to dance and go to carpool and go and, you know, have lunch and go to work. And we need to maintain that we have, a, we can do it all. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It is, you know, a, yes, it's a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing having a child, but it is the most painful experience on so many levels, a lot of days. I mean, this is not, there's no cute way about it sometimes. You know, sometimes there is, but I would say nine out of 10 times, not so cute. All right. See, this is the kind of advice you're going to get if you open up, drop the act. It's exhausting. Uh, It's just chock full of stuff like that. You know, you have some interesting stuff to say just in general about like women moving forward in their lives. Almost like once you stop, once you stop, once you do drop the act, here are the things you can do. Things like, you know, just speak up, which is something we say on Satellite Sisters all the time. But the other one I found, you know, is uh, I found really interesting was stop hoping. Like, you know, we, we give a lot of power to the word hope. I hope, I hope, I hope. And your position in this book is stop hoping. Uh, it's that I, I was worried. That was like, it was really funny because my agent, I said to her, this is the one area I'm kind of worried about some major backlash on. Knock on wood, I'm still, I still haven't really gotten it. But, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I, you know, even in just in publicity and fashion, you know, I remember people saying to clients, you know, you know, if you just hope and keep working at it, it will come. And I wanted to say to them, your collection is awful. You are, this is not your area. Let's find a different thing to focus on. I mean, I, I know that's horrible for me to say. I feel like that with my own children when I want to play soccer, I want to do this. And I'm like, pick two things. And then, you know, oh, look, you're playing soccer. I don't think that's your sport, honey. Let's try to figure out another one. You know, it's kind of like, it doesn't, oh, hope is a wonderful thing, but it's not always realistic when it comes to career. Doesn't work like that. Or relationships. Or re like, oh, I hope, I hope he changes. I hope this happens. That's no. a really, that's a downward spiral for, spiral for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know, it works in, on some level and sometimes you have to say to yourself, I can hope and wish all I want, but it's not going to change the way I either design the clothes or my relationship with my husband or the friend that I want to change. Or, I mean, sometimes you just have to kind of let it go and just say, this is, this isn't working. Yeah. So. It's not an action word hoping. No. You know, and that's, I think that's what comes through because you clearly yeah. sort of believe in actions and making it happen instead of just. That's a very good point. Thank yeah. you. No, <laughs> you take that. It's Why didn't I put that in the book now? <laughs> it's yours now. No, you own it now. Beth, you take it. You take it. You take it. This is your first book, which is always exciting. And when I talk to authors, I always like to ask about what it's like to be out on the road with a book because that's a really different experience. You come from PR, you said. Yeah. So you have promoted people's products for many years. Uh, then you sat down to co-write this book and now you're out on the road with it. What have you discovered about being out and about with a book that's sort of this empowering and this exciting? I think that I, first of all, I've always been behind the scenes, you know, like at Oprah magazine, I was a, an editor there and, you know, I always, and I really liked behind the scenes. I really liked, um, being behind the scenes and putting somebody else in the front of the, of the world and whatever. So that was one thing I had to kind of swallow in order for me to do the book. And I wasn't totally thrilled with it in the, in the beginning, to be perfectly honest. But what kept me going is I really wanted this message to, to resonate with, with almost everyone. And the only way for me to do that would be for me to sell it myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've been behind it ever since it's, Awesome. I cannot wait to write another one. I really, there are so many more acts people can drop. I've got a laundry list, a folder filled of um, a plethora of other areas people can stop the, you know what. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing. And it's been really, really rewarding in the sense that I am open to constructive criticism, but really on the, on the other side of it, it's been received really, really, really positively. And that makes me feel really good, really good. You know, these book tours, they're kind of like focus groups. I mean, they are like focus groups in a yeah. way. You just, it is fascinating when you're the writer to sort of listen to what pieces in the book have resonated. And, you know, as you said, the things you think might be controversial aren't. And the things that you thought were just a one-off line, someone may come back to you and challenge you on that. And it makes you sort of rethink and maybe take the next project in a different direction. So, yeah, I find them fascinating. Do you like speaking in public? I mean, clearly you are someone who believes in speaking out loud. But is, is being out in front of people something you enjoy doing? Or is that a learned skill for you? No, it's it, strangely enough. Well, my friends would be like, come on are you serious but uh strangely enough it comes really easy <laughs> um yeah no I don't really even need flashcards I it, no I love it 
I totally love it. It's it's weird how my career, um, you know, it, you've garnered your entire career for something that you didn't realize you were going to do. Right. If that makes sense. You yeah. Know what I, mean? I, I this is never ever um, something I ever. I mean, I, I I sold the idea on a proposal and then wrote the book out. I mean, it it could not have gone in a more um, beautiful format, but I thoroughly enjoy speaking in front of people. I would do it all day long. Um, if I could, I definitely want to write another book. I, um, and I love it. And everybody's really great because really the book is a discussion topic. I'm not telling anybody how I think they should do something. I'm basically opening up a can of worms and say, you know, talk amongst yourselves. This is kind of how I see what goes on. Um, you know, and so because of that, there's so much conversation to be had, um, and women really like to talk about all that kind of stuff, which is amazing because otherwise it wouldn't be selling so well. <laughs> right. That's true. Women like to talk. It's pretty much the very premise of our career at Satellite Sisters, but that is the idea. I think women do like to talk about these things yeah. in, in an honest way. When you get the right group of women together, you can solve a lot of problems, I think. Totally. And what do your daughters think? Because people always ask me about my kids, and I, I don't usually ask that question. But, you know, you write that you have two daughters. They're clearly a big part of your mission, your work mission, including your life mission, is to sort of represent the world honestly to them. So what do they think about you having a book? Have they been to book events? What do they think? My younger one told me that she hates my book. Uh-huh. Okay. Sorry. I hate your book, mommy. Um, that is simply because I am not around as okay. much. So um, that's how her feeling about the book. My older one thinks it's awesome and tells everybody that I'm famous. So there's a happy medium in between the two of them. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I'm not famous. And thanks for hating my book. They love it. I mean, they love the idea that they could open up my book and see that their names are in it and it's dedicated to them. And I explain um, my nine year old has read the forward. I will not, of course, let her read the book until she's like six. 16, um, ever, but I, you know, I gave them the idea of what it's about and I'm constantly reminding them about all of the life lessons at home anyway. Um, but they, yeah, they think it's cool. I don't, I mean, I, God knows they probably don't have an idea, um, the magnitude of what it is, but they just think that it's cool that, um, mommy gets to write and talk. That's what they tell me. (laughs) Do you have another, do you have another book that you're working on now? I mean, not yet. I'm just so in the throes of this one because it's still so new. Um, but I plan to, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that is the, uh, that would be the next, um, that would be the next step for sure. I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to write more. I'm kind of like, you know, although I'm totally sick of myself a little bit, but (laughs) (laughs) a little little like waking up and, oh, it's you again. Um, but yeah, I would, I would like to write, you know, a continuum or some sort of variation of what I've already kind of covered. Well, congratulations. It's really a lot of fun to read. There's some inspirational passages in the book that will spur you on to sort of cleaning up your act, to dropping the act, really, to being a more authentic person and and speaking up when you need to speak up to represent who you really are. Beth Thomas Cohen, it has been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for being on Satellite Sisters. Thank you so much. For more information on Beth and where to find her book, Drop the Act, It's Exhausting, check out SatelliteSisters.com. We have lots and lots of interviews, podcasts, fun shows at Satellite Sisters and at iTunes. If you're new to the Satellite Sisterhood, welcome. Check out all our shows at iTunes or SatelliteSisters.com. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. Satellite Sisters.